Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. And will you be my light when I cannot see? And when I can't take another step, Lord, would you carry me? And when I've lost my fight, will you be my strength? Will you set me a table in the presence of my enemies? Come on, sing it out. I shall not want. I shall not want Oh, my soul's got a shepherd in the valley And I shall not want I shall not want I shall not want Cause my soul's running over, running over And I shall not want And I will lift my eyes To where my help comes from
start off with a party this morning. Why don't we just do that, huh? Awesome song, choir. Thank you so much. That was so good. Great way to start off a Sunday morning. If you are a guest or a visitor here this morning, we'd love to have a record of you being here, whether you are with us live in the service or at home, we'd love to get you some information about the church, just so you can learn a little bit more about us and get more comfortable with us. Uh, if you are a guest or a visitor, so easy to register. All you have to do is grab your smartphone or your tablet and you text fellowship to 94,000. When you do that, you'll receive some more information about the church. Also, we'll be contacting you about a guest reception we'll be having here uh, pretty quick. We just had one today. We'll have another one uh, four weeks from now. So, We'd love to have you be a part of that. But other than that, make yourself at home. You have joined a great family this morning. Well, we're gonna continue to worship now with the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you have prepared uh, to give today, give back to the Lord. And there's all kinds of ways that you can give here at Fellowship. Probably the easiest is the Church Center app. If you've not downloaded that app, uh, that is really the best way for us to communicate with you. Uh, you can sign up for classes. You can check your kids into, your, into their rooms, all those kind of things from that app as well as gifts. So uh, do that, go to the app store, uh, download the Church Center app, choose Fellowship Church as your home church, and then you'll have all of those options there. Also, of course, you can send your offerings in. We have a boxes, offering boxes in the lobby if you'd like to give that way, or you can give through the website. But as you get ready to give this morning, let me just say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we love you, and thank you so much for how awesome you are. Thank you, Lord, that we can come together and we can worship together as a church family, and we can do so freely. Thank you, Lord, that you can just ignite something in us through music and through worship that is wonderful and it is sustaining. I thank you, Lord, that we can come to a place like this and we can get a new perspective on whatever situation that we're facing. I pray now that you would bless our finances. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this way to worship you. Thank you, Lord God, so much that you take care of us and you always take care of our needs. Thank you, God, for that. I pray that everything that would come in today would be in honor of you and, and Lord, sufficient for your church's needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have a few announcements. If you guys wanna take your seats, you'll just be taking your seats for a few minutes because we'll want you to stand back up and worship with us in just a moment. But here's some more things that are happening here at Fellowship. Spiritual Warfare 1.0 is back on the calendar. I know there's been a lot of people asking when the next live class is. It's gonna start August 24th. It's gonna happen in the Two Rivers Room. The live course of 1.0 is really, really amazing. If you haven't taken this curriculum yet, I highly suggest it. It is life-changing and the live course is so good with the Q&A and the different things you get to see person to person. So if you haven't done it yet, sign up on the Church Center app. If you want more info, stop by the Info Center today. Our next baptism service is going to be Sunday, August 8th. Baptism is a great way to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord. Now it's not required for salvation, but it's a wonderful symbol that Jesus himself did. So if this is something that's been tugging on your heart, it's a great way to grow in your faith. You can sign up on the Church Center app or head to the west end of the lobby where you'll see the baptism signs, and you can sign up there as well. 4640 Outdoors only has two more services left until the school year starts, and guess what is our mud pit? It is something we do every single year, and it is a blast. Now, once the school year starts back up again, we are gonna move high school back to Tuesdays and middle school on Wednesdays, so if you've enjoyed 4640 Outdoors, make it the next two weeks, because it's going to be a mud pit. That's all the things that we have here at Fellowship Church, so enjoy the rest of today's service. 
church, let's stand back up to our feet. We'll continue with worship. Thanks again for joining us online. Come and worship with us.
Guys, that's why we're here, is we want to make room for him because his way is better. And I think we're, we're an honest group of people and we would all be the type of people that say, you know what, I've done it my way and my way sucks. Ooh, did pastor just say that? Yeah, you say it too. But when I do it my way, I bring pain, I bring frustration, I bring all sorts of stuff into my life that I spend years trying to undo. So what I wanna do is I wanna make room for him to be able to, to have the reins in my life, to, to guide me in my life so that my life is not spent just trying to fix the last thing I messed up, but my life is spent where I'm walking in righteousness and I'm walking in health and I'm walking in peace and I'm walking in, in his blessings. And, and guys, I'm excited about today because I believe that God wants to show up and meet with each and every one of us today. There was something powerful that happened in the first service. And, and here's what I know is I'm not comparing anything about this service right now to last service because God is not just the God of the past, but he's the God of the past, the present and the future. And he wants to be in this room with us right now. But what that means is we need to be expectant of his word, expectant of what he wants to do in your life and in mine. So I wanna ask the, the choir and the band to remain standing. I wanna ask you to remain standing because I'm gonna go ahead and just dive right into my scripture now because it's his word that changes us. The Bible says that, that the word of God goes forth and will not return to him void. And if you believe and understand that, then, then what that means is if he says something over your life, it's gonna happen. Whether or not you expect it, whether or not you want to, it's gonna happen. So. I can get up here and I could just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and it could be rhetoric. It could be, it could be nonsense, it could be useless, but the word of God is something we will respect and honor because it changes us. So I wanna read today, the, this is gonna be a message that I'm entitled, The God Who Knows You. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, God knows you, God knows you. Oh, that's funny to me. Every time I, I say something like that, it's like, you see the people that feel like they're up to something, no, something that's no good or whatever, because it's like, what do you mean God knows me? Like, what does he see? Is he like watching me? What is like, how in the world? Like, like you've done something wrong or whatever. It's like, no, 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 your God loves you and he knows you. Check this out. John chapter one, verse 14, talking about Jesus our Lord and Savior says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Someone say grace and truth. Say it again, because this is what we're focusing on today. Uh, today. Say grace and truth. Grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cries out saying, he, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me from the fullness of his grace. There it is again. We have received one blessing after another for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, 
who is at the Father's side has made him known. What a beautiful mystery that no one has ever seen God. But if you've seen Jesus, then you've seen God. Man, that's a beautiful mystery. I'm gonna read one more passage and I'm gonna pray over you and ask you to be seated. John chapter two, verse 23 says this, is talking about Jesus in Jerusalem. It says, now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. He didn't need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in a man. He, he knows us. See, I want to talk a little bit more about these insightful verses in a moment, but I want us to just pray together that his word would sink into us and that he would change us today. So would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word does not return to us void. We thank you that you want to meet with us now. You want to speak to us now. You want to show us more about your love now and show us Jesus now. So God, we ask that you would open our eyes to see, open our hearts uh, and ears to hear you. And God, in Jesus' name, whatever spirit of distraction, whatever spirit of shame, whatever spirit of condemnation has been attacking your people, God, I pray that you would bind it and cast it out of here and, and free your people to be able to hear and walk and understand your truth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise. He is good. Go ahead and show yourself friendly. Shake hands with a couple of people as our choir takes a seat. Aren't you thankful that we have such an amazing choir and band? There's some talented people that, that use their gifts for God, and I'm so thankful for that. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm excited about today. I'm excited about sharing this word with you today. It's something that um, I can tell you I keep coming back to, something I keep needing in my own life. And um, I just want to start off by asking you a question. And I think it's something you got to be honest with in asking this question, um, because we could just sit here and pretend like we've got it all together. And you do that, and it's like, yay, you went to church. Here's a star for your chart. Or we can be honest and we can let God start dissecting what's going in in our lives. But it's not heavy, but it's just something you need to be honest with. I wonder, have you ever noticed that it's really hard to be gracious with the people that you know the best? <laughs> One honest person in this room. It's like, no, I give grace to everybody. I love everybody. I'm so, I, I, just, I just love people. I give people the grace and love of God. He gives me big, warm hugs in my life. I give everybody big, warm hugs in their lives. Yeah, bull. <laughs> what I noticed is that like, the, it seems like there's a correlation. I'm just being honest about myself. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're not. But, but to just be honest about myself, I would tell you, it, I tend to give more grace to people that I know less than people that I know more. It's like, if, if, if I don't know a person, you know, people come and tell me the weirdest things sometimes. Like, I get backhanded compliments all the time, or people come up and say things to me, and I'm like, what did you just say? It's like, I don't know if I should cry or punch you or say thank you, I don't know. That was, because I meet so many people and they, they say weird things to me. But what I tend to do with a stranger, I don't know them. I'm like, oh, I'm sure they meant well. 
I'm sure, I'm sure they're a good person. They seem nice. They had nice cologne on. They smelled good today. I'm sure that they're, they're great. And I give people the benefit of the doubt just simply because I don't know them. Does anyone in here do that too? But what's strange is there's people in my life that, that I've noticed that the more I know a person, the more I get the facts about a person, the more I can become stingy with my grace. Right? Because there are certain, certain people in my life It's like, oh, I'm sure they didn't mean anything because I don't know them. But there's other people I know some stuff about. I'm like, they meant to hurt my feelings on that one. I know what they were up to. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, because I feel like there, there's a disconnect between, it's like, if I don't know a person, I'm gonna give them a little more grace. It's like, how many of you have a crazy family member? <laughs> yeah, there's lies. It's like, like, how many of you have a crazy uncle? Let's call him Crazy Uncle John, okay? Like, this is what happens sometimes is like, when people don't know the facts, it's very easy to get to a point where it's like, like, like we don't give grace to those people that we know the facts about. You might meet someone and they're like, oh, I met your uncle. And you're like, oh, okay, you met my uncle. And then you start thinking, oh boy, which, which uncle? Yeah. And you're like, well, first of all, he's great. I love him. He's awesome. It was your uncle John. I'm like, oh, crazy uncle John. You met crazy uncle John. Like you should stay away from him and keep your pets away from him. Like he's into weird stuff. And you're like, you're like, hold, hold on. No. He's like, no, he was great. He was hilarious. He's like, no, no, you think he's great because you don't know him. I know him. I know he's crazy. And maybe you don't have an Uncle John, but you have a sister. He's like, or a brother. I'm not just picking on his sister. But, but you know someone. It's like, the more you tend to know about a person, the more you can tend to be stingy with the grace that we should extend towards people. There, there could be a disconnect. The Bible says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And I think there's a disconnect sometimes where we tend to, the more we know the truth about someone, the less grace we give towards a person. What I, I, here's a great example of it. I believe that the relationship that grandparents have with grandkids is based off of ignorance. <laughs> I'm telling you, I believe this. I believe it wholeheartedly. I, I believe it's by choice even. I think some people just choose. I'm gonna choose to be ignorant on this because I wanna just think the best of those beautiful little babies. They're just so wonderful. <sighs> I can remember my daughters now, they're 15 and 17, two beautiful young ladies look just like their mom and, and I'm so proud of them. I, I, I can remember when they were three and five years old, there was a moment that Amelie and I, we realized like, we are learning some things about our kids that, that parenting is stinking hard, right? Because we had one of these days that, man, it was a bluebird day. It was like beautiful springtime, trees are in bloom, flowers blossoming, just like beautiful. We're rolling down the windows, there's music playing. And we're, we're going down the road and our girls are singing along to the music in their little three and five-year-old voices. And we're like looking at each other like, this is the life, American dream. Like, this is like, like we got our babies, they're singing together, it's wonderful, it's awesome. And, and what we were doing is we were going to Walmart. Some of you know where this will end. 
But, but we, we get to Walmart and even coming into Walmart, it's like our girls hold hands and they're skipping together and singing the song together. And we're just like, everything's wonderful. But you cross the threshold of Walmart, walking into the door and something happened to my kids. And it's the same thing that happens to all of your kids. What happens? Your kids lose their ever loving minds. Because now the two girls that were singing together and loving on each other, and it was just a beautiful day, they are fighting over who gets to push the cart. Neither one of them is even strong enough to push the cart, but they're grabbing the cart together and they start screaming and pulling on the cart and they bang it into an old lady's ankle. And now the lady is like upset. We're apologizing to the lady. We're trying to control the girls who are saying, stop it. No, I'm gonna pull the cart. No, you're gonna push the cart. No, I'm gonna sit in the cart. No, yeah, I'm gonna do this. I wanna do this. You did it last time. And they start screaming and crying and freaking out. They've lost their ever-loving minds. And I'm like, girls, you've got to calm down. You both stop. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to push the cart and you're going to walk with mom. You're going to just calm down. Everyone take a deep breath in, out, in, out. They're pulling each other's hair. They're freaking out. And finally, Kayla, at three years old, she gets this, like, stomps her foot down clenches her hands together in the fist, flops on the ground, starts kicking, and screams at the top of her mouth. She is all out throwing a temper tantrum, freaking out, and I'm like, now we fit into Walmart. <laughs> it's like we are part of the family now, right? It's like we, 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 we looked the part of being someone who would go to Walmart, and I'm telling you, it's like I'm not picking on anyone that goes to Walmart because I go to Walmart. But it's like we... Our kids lost their minds when we went from thinking they're so wonderful, they're so precious, to good Lord, what is wrong with these little humans? <laughs> and I remember we, just, we got the stuff we needed to get and they were fighting the whole time and they were crying. And we, we finally, we get out to the car and we, we put the girls in their car seat and we put the stuff in the back of the car and we closed the door. And we just stood there with the girls locked in the car for a minute. Because <laughs> sometimes you need some peace as a parent. And uh, don't look at me like you've never done it. If you have kids, it's always the people that don't have kids. I would never. Oh, I would never lock my kids in their car for peace. Are you kidding? Yeah, have a kid. Talk to me after that. We lock them in the car, just take a deep breath. Good Lord, what happened to these things? They're, I, they're definitely from your side of the family. I'm telling you, it's like, <laughs> they got that from your mom. They got you, oh, you know, I'm telling you. Like, all of a sudden, like, it all went crazy. And we're going, we know the truth about these little girls, that they will lose their mind. They will throw temper tantrums. They will cause embarrassment. They will fight. With the, ah! And my phone rings while we're standing outside the car trying to get a little peace. It's like, it's muffled through the windows. We can't hear all the screaming. And I answer the phone and my dad says, hey, do you and Amelie wanna bring the girls and let's go out to lunch today? And I'm thinking, oh, we talked about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, cause we wanna see our precious little grandbabies. They're beautiful, they're awesome, they're amazing. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> I love my kids, don't worry. But I'm telling you, I was like, yeah. So we show up, and I think it was Dos Hombres back when it was in the Redlands, and we, we, we get out of the car, and they immediately, they come out, and they, they start with grandparents. She says, oh, come here, my precious little grandbabies. Come give me hugs. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're awesome. You want some candy bars? I'm like, they don't get no freaking candy bars. 
You have no idea what just took place. And you said we were gonna come here to eat. You're gonna give them candy bars before we eat. They don't get candy. Candy comes one day a week if they're acting right. And they are not acting right, no candy. Now my parents are looking at me like I'm crazy. Oh, I'm the crazy one. It's like, you don't get, they don't get no candy. So what do grandparents do? They give them sugar and then they give them back to you. Good Lord, can I get some parents to say, grandparents, stop giving my kids sugar and sending them home. So they put them in the car and now they both got sugar buzzes, they're tired and they're screaming at each other again. And I'm thinking, and they're like, oh, it's so wonderful to see our beautiful, precious grandbabies today. And I'm like, you say that because you don't know them. <laughs> and I can tell you what happens is what, what we can tend to do is we can become stingy with our grace the more that we know someone. I mean, maybe not you, maybe you've got it all together, maybe you're perfect. But, hi, I'm Dan, I have issues. <laughs> and I'm telling you, as I, as I sit here, I would just pull a couch out and lay down, and, but I can't afford your uh, therapy session costs. So I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stay on this for a moment, but it's like, what we can tend to do is we can tend to lean towards grace or truth. And we can get stingy with our grace the more we know truth about people. And it's interesting because the Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Full, that's 100%, right? It doesn't say he was 50% grace, 50% truth. It doesn't say he was on this teeter-totter where he was doing the balancing act of sometimes I'm graceful, sometimes I'm truthful, sometimes I'm gonna be like really kind to someone and other times I'm gonna like bring the hammer and let you know the truth about the situation. No, the Bible says he was 100% full of grace while at the same time being 100% full of truth. What does that mean? That means that God knows 100% the truth about you. He knows everything. He knows stuff about you you don't know. He doesn't know your next mistake. Or he, he knows the next mistake that you don't know you're gonna do. He knows how you failed. He knows how you're gonna fail in the future. He, he knows more about you than you know about you. He has 100% truth about you. But what does that, that mean that he's full of grace and truth is that knowing 100% of the truth about you, he still is 100% forgiving and graceful towards you. He still loves you in despite of the fact that we fail, despite of the fact that we're messed up despite of the fact, but, but here's the problem. It's like our own human nature, it's like we were designed to do life the way God wants us to do, but our own human nature, what we tend to do is we tend to lean towards one side or the other. Like I, I'm the grace guy, I just, wanna, I just wanna love on everyone and give everyone grace, everyone deserves a second chance, you gotta give people the benefit of the doubt, you gotta, like, like it doesn't matter if they've hurt you, you gotta just, you know, just be kind to them, just, just give them grace. It's like they didn't mean that, that wasn't their intention. And then there's the other people that lean on the other side of it that are the, the truth people. Like, someone needs to come out here and tell them that this is a problem, it's sin, and if no one else will come and bring the hammer, then I'm gonna be the one that brings the hammer and tells it because someone needs to say it how it means. I'm gonna put it on a bumper sticker so everyone knows what the truth is. 
And I wonder how many of you would say you lean towards being a grace person? Anybody? How many of you would say you lean towards being a truth person? Anybody? Let me, it's, let me probably, let's do it this way. How many of you are sitting next to the person who's the truth person? <laughs> right? Because it's like you got, you got the people in life. It's like, why, why is it we, we, we tend to lean one way or the other? It's like we got, we got you guys. So I'm the truth person. Someone needs to tell everybody exactly how it is. And I don't know why I'm pulling on my belt that way. <laughs> it's just the guy I think of though, right? It's like, yeah, I, I got it all together and I, everyone needs to have it all together like me. I know the truth and we're gonna, we're gonna get down to the bottom of it. We're gonna, and then there's the people, it's like, you don't, know what, you don't know what I know about my uncle. You wouldn't think my uncle was so good if you knew the truth. And there's the grace people. You walked all over through life. There's one, one problem after another, after another, after another, and it's like, I'm, I'm trying to just forgive and just forgive and just forgive. And we can tend to lean towards becoming less and less and less graceful with people who we know more truth about. But the Bible says that God was full of grace and truth. And grace and truth, it's like, it's similar to the Godhead. The Godhead is three, God is three parts. There's distinguishable, but individual. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're distinguishable, but, but they are indivisible. And grace and truth has the same mystery to it. That grace and truth is distinguishable, yet indivisible. And this shows us that, that in its fullness, in the, this, we see this in the fullness of the person of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus Christ knows the full truth about us and yet has full love and grace and forgiveness for us. That's what we're thankful for in our relationship with God. That's what we need to understand. That's what the gospel message is. And so what, what is this Verse John 1, 14, tell us about Jesus is the, that he knows you. He knows you more than you know you, and he loves you. He loves you more than you love you. That's the Jesus we serve. That's the God we serve. He loves us. And how do we know people more and still love them like Jesus does? I think there's a couple great examples that we see in Scripture I think going back to a verse that we read a moment ago, John 2, 24, it says this, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them for he knew all men. So this is telling us he has 100% truth about everyone. He knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in the man. This amazes me because it's a saying like, it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. Jesus knows what the truth is about yourself. What matters about what you say about yourself is you will start to believe what you say about yourself. So when, when Jesus hears a testimony about a man, he's like, Jesus, I'm your ride or die. I got your back. I love you. He's like, I, I know the truth. Like we talked about with Peter a couple weeks ago. It's like, I know that you're gonna deny me. I don't, I don't need your testimony about if you're good or not. I already know you. I already know what failures you're gonna have. I know what successes you're gonna have. I already know you. So he's like, he didn't entrust himself to people because he knew what was in a man's heart. And I, the, the truth is, the, the more that we know about bad people, the more we wanna just remove them from our lives. What we, we see in this passage is that Jesus does just the opposite. 
Okay, because it says he did not need man's testimony about man for he knew what was in a man. And then the Bible could say, for instance, because it just gives, it starts listing out examples. John starts trying to tell us, this is some examples of what Jesus being full of grace and truth, how he knew what was in a man. It, so it's like you could say, for he knew what was in a man, for instance, Nicodemus. The Bible starts telling us a story about a man by the name of Nicodemus. If you know Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He, he was a man who followed religious law. He was a church person. It's like he wanted to please God. He wanted to do life God's way, but he was going about it the wrong way. He was going about it by trying to follow rules and traditions instead of having a relationship with God. So he was a man who knew the Torah. That's the first five books of the Bible. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy fully memorized. He was a Pharisee, which is a very strict sect of Judaism. And then out of that, he was part of the Sanhedrin, which was the most strict sect of Pharisees. So he's in incredibly strict person and he lived his life in a very legalistic way, right? This would be like modern day legalism where a person would like start adding rules that are not in the Bible. Like, like a woman can't wear her hair that way. A man can't do this that way. A, a, a person can't do this, you can't do that. You can only listen to Christian music. You're like, all these rules that men make up instead of what God makes up. The Pharisees made up so many rules, but the Pharisees were hypocrites because they're saying, listen, we are perfect. We're church people. We got it all together. We got the Bible memorized, brother. So you need to like come up to our level. So you got to follow all of these rules. But here's the thing. They put all those rules out there and then they wouldn't follow those rules for themselves. So they're telling people, you can't get close to God unless you do this and this and this and this and this and this. And you, you ask them, are you doing that? Well, no. Well, why? Because they thought they were better than everybody else. You ever met anyone like that? Church people, they got it all together. On the outside, they looked like they had it all together. Perfect church people. On the inside, though, man, they were far from God. They were jacked up. They were messed up. That doesn't happen in these days. That was only, I mean, it's hard to even relate to because that was only something that happened like 2,000 years ago. But now it's like, no, everyone's got it perfect together and got all their stuff together. So every week I meet new people that come into church and they, and I'm sure you do too. It's like, oh, how are you? I'm blessed, brother. It's good. Bless God. He's wonderful. He's magnificent. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you do. You are blessed and holy and magnificent and mighty in everything that you do. And your presence here with me, I just thank you for your omniscience and your omnipotence and your omnipresence. And I think, and it's like trying to show how much I got it together. I'm like, hold on one second. I just saw you cuss your wife out in the parking lot. It's like, are, you, are we putting on this show on the outside like we've got it all together where on the inside we've got real issues? Well, that's who Nicodemus is. And apparently the Bible shows us as well that Nicodemus was a coward because he knew the Bible. He knew the Torah. So he started understanding that God was going to send a savior. He was gonna send his son into the world to die on the cross for our sins, to be our savior and redeemer, to raise again so that we could have eternal life. And he started looking for it and he started recognizing that maybe, just maybe Jesus could be this man. 
So he's living a life of just rules and just, just, he's just a staunch Pharisee. He's just, this is the way it's gotta be. And that's his friend and his clique group and all that. And they all hated Jesus because he, Jesus didn't conform to all the rules that they made up on their own. So, so they're, they're hating Jesus, they're outcasted. But Nicodemus has got an eye over there and he starts trying to investigate Jesus. But we know he's a coward because he was so afraid of what his friends would think about him and the other Pharisees would think about him when he started investigating Jesus that he decided to try to set up a meeting with with Jesus, but he wanted it to be a private meeting in the dark at night. Now think about the irony of this right now. Nicodemus wants to investigate the light, but he wants to do it in the dark. Oh, how many of us do that? I, I want to know what God's way is for my life, but I want to, you know, I'm comfortable in the dark over here. I'm comfortable with these areas of my life that I know are wrong, I know they're dark, I know they hurt me, I know they're shameful. In fact, I don't want light shined on it. I want to, I want to keep it in the dark. Like I just, but, but I'm curious about this. And see, if, if I was Jesus, <laughs> thank God I'm not. <laughs> if I was Jesus, let me tell you something. Like I, I think I'd call Nicodemus out on this. Be like, no, Nick. You can't have the dark and the light at the same time. You can't live your own way in sin and be righteous at the same time. You can't have it both ways, Nick, and that's the truth. I think I'd just be, nah, if you wanna meet with me, let's do it in front of all your friends, all your homies, right in the middle of the daylight, and you stop denying me and act like you know me. But Jesus, the Bible, remember, says that he knew what was in all man, so Jesus wasn't being tricked. He knew exactly what Nicodemus was up to. He knew that Nicodemus was scared. He was shameful. He was embarrassed. He was full of so much pride that he cared what other people thought as opposed to caring what God thought. So since he had men on the throne of his heart instead of God on the throne of his heart, he was now in a place where he was terrified and not moving forward. He's standing there. Hey, I think there's a way I can meet with Jesus in the dark. No one needs to know about it. And our gracious Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus decides, being 100% full of truth, he's so full of grace, 100% where he goes, yeah! And what Jesus does is he sets up an appointment with Nick at night. Oh, come on, guys, you, you don't give me credit. That was a, not only, that, that's a preacher joke and it's a dad joke at the same time. And someone, so you, you take me for granted, I'm telling you. My daughters hated that joke. I said that the first service and you, they both rolled their eyes in unison. You could tell they just wanted to duck out and leave. But I'm like, hey, I don't care. <laughs> Made me laugh, so deal with it. But he sets up this appointment with Nick at night. And, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna meet with you. I, I'm, I'm gonna meet you right where you are. I'm gonna meet you in the darkness of your life. And, and here, let me tell you a side note that you need to understand about Jesus. Is Jesus knows you enough and cares about you enough and loves you enough where he will meet you in the darkness. 
Because you think, oh, I got to get my life cleaned up so I can meet with Jesus. I, if I could just get this issue under control, then I could go to church. If I could just get this issue under control, then I'd stop be, being full of shame. But no, God doesn't expect you to come into the light. He expects you to invite the light into the darkness. So let me tell you something. And this might be hard for some of you to swallow. But that means that you can pray while you're looking at pornography. That means that you can pray while you're drunk. That means that you can pray while you're lying and cheating. Whoa, pastor, what are you saying? We get these pet sins where we think, oh, no, I've got to compartmentalize my life and I've got to keep God out of this area of my life and, I, and, I, and I'm going to act holy and right over here, but he doesn't need to see this stuff over here. The Bible says he is full of truth. Like he doesn't know what website you're on. Like he doesn't know who you're flirting with. Like he doesn't know who showed up in your DMs. Like he doesn't know what, what drugs you're using or, or what you're lying about. He, like he doesn't know these things. And, and he wants to be invited into the darkness. And what happens when the light is brought into the darkness is the light expels the darkness. And then it exposes the truth of our lives. And in the truth of our lives, what do we find? We find the 100% full grace of God. That he loves you no matter what. That he died for you knowing what you would do. That he died for you knowing that even though you accept him as your savior, you're gonna sin again, you're gonna fail again. And he still loves you. So he meets with Nick at night because he cares. 100% full of grace, 100% full of truth. And the Bible says in John 3, he came to Jesus at night, so was talking about Nick. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, right? So he's, he starts off respectfully and he, they begin this dialogue and out of this dialogue comes one of the most famous verses in scripture, a verse many of you could quote. A lot of you know this verse from football games where athletes paint it under their eyes or there's someone in the sign, holding a sign behind the goalpost where it's like, it's John three sixteen, And a lot of people think that this is just like a pep talk that Jesus has given. But no, this verse came out of a conversation with a sinful man who was scared to even admit that he was investigating a relationship with Jesus. And out of this conversation, Jesus said in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Nicodemus, can you just imagine them standing there face to face in the dark, nighttime, hidden? For God so loved the world, Nick, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, Nick, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, Nicodemus, but, but to save the world through him. And Jesus begins to offer Nicodemus the gospel message, teaching him about the fact that Jesus was to come and die for the sins of man, to, to be raised back to life so that we could 
have a relation with him, be close to him, be born again, that if we are forgiven by him and we make him our Lord and Savior, that we could have eternal life too. And, And he continues to offer this. He knows Nicodemus wants to do life his own way. He knows he wants the darkness and the life. He wants his club and Jesus's club all at the same time, but he still continues to offer full grace in the midst of full truth. And even with the this understanding about Nicholas, he continues on and says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. What does that tell us? You need to believe in Jesus Christ as God's one and only son or you will stand condemned before God. And he says this to Nicodemus, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Whoa. They're standing in the dark in the middle of the night talking about the darkness of his sin and Jesus begins exposing himself as the light. He's like, you've got darkness in your life. And he's like, what you need to know is God's son, me, has come into the world, Jesus is saying. And that light has come into the world. But he says this, but men love darkness. Could you believe that, Nicodemus, that that there's the option for light, but men love darkness. That there's the option that you could have freedom and righteousness, but, but some people would rather hide in the dark in their sin. That there's the option for you to have freedom, but I don't wanna bring this into light because what about the shame of if people found out what I actually did? I, I don't wanna bring this into light. He's like, can you believe it, Nick, that men love darkness? Instead of light, because their deeds are evil. Verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of his deeds will be exposed, Nick. But whoever lives in the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. See, I've seen people all throughout my life, I grew up in church, I've seen people take this verse and they beat people up with it. And they twist it up and they're like, listen, what you gotta do is you gotta get out of the darkness, you gotta stop the sin, get out of the darkness and get in the light. You gotta get your right life together. You gotta stop cussing. Yeah, you, stop cussing. You, you, you gotta stop looking at those things. You gotta stop flipping off people in traffic. You gotta act a certain way. You gotta dress a certain way. You gotta, you gotta put up the certain front when you come into church. You gotta, you gotta get it all right and all together and you gotta better have a Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your, of your car. If not, you at least get the fish. Not the little sort of fish, with the, the, no, the normal fish. Like, we're not gonna take it too far, right? And the, get, get into this legalistic point of view, it's like, you gotta do things a certain way. You gotta get into the light. Stay out of the darkness. But that is not what Jesus is doing at all. What Jesus is doing is saying, listen, I know you're in the dark. I know that you can't see. I know that you're hurting. I know that you're broken. I know the pain and the sin that you're in. And he's saying, invite me into that darkness and I will shine a light and I will give you freedom because I know 100% of the truth about you, but I also have 100% grace for exactly where you are. And we know that even though Nicodemus didn't follow Jesus at this moment, it must have sunk in. As he started to recognize, wait a minute, God knows every bit of me, but he still loves me? 
Because the next time Nicodemus is mentioned in scripture, he shows up at Jesus' tomb. At the burial of Jesus, at the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, we see that, that Nicodemus is there, that he shows up because he realizes, wait a minute, this is the son of God. He knows my problems and he still loves me. We saw it with the woman at the well. In the middle of the day, Jesus shows up this well and this woman shows up in the middle of the day, not when they should show up because women would show up early in the morning or late in the evening because it was hard work and they wanted to do it as a community together in the cool of the day. But this woman had been outcast because of all of her sins, all of her problems, all of her issues. So she's going there in the middle of the day to be left alone. And here Jesus is sitting at the well. And, and when, when she walks up, Jesus said, hey, would you give me a drink of water? And this is in the pickup line, right? This is like a different time, right? He's just asking for some water. And she's like, what? Whoa, hold on. I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a, you're a Jewish man. You shouldn't be talking to me. And he comes back. He's like, listen, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink. You like apples? How about them apples? <laughs> and, and she's like, who do you think you are? It's like, you don't even have anything to draw with. How are you gonna get me a drink? And he says, if, if you drink from what I have, you will never thirst again. And he's talking about spiritual life. He's talking about a holiness. He's talking about righteousness that comes through for the forgiveness of God. And he starts talking about this and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You see, you guys think we should worship in one area and I think we should worship in a different area. And she's like trying to change the, the, the whole conversation here because as they're having this conversation, she's he starts arguing with him. He's like, Jesus is like, fine, whatever. Why don't you go get your husband? Because Jesus knew the truth about her. And she says, I don't have a husband. He goes, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. She said, whoa, how did you know this? You must be a prophet or something. Wait, do you, are you following me on Facebook? He's <laughs> like, how do you know this stuff about me? And she started to recognize, he knows, whoa, you know that I've been divorced five times. You know that I'm, that I'm living in adultery with another man right now. Like, you, you know that the, the worst things about me. And she's thinking I'm gonna be condemned. And, and, and he st they start talking and she starts trying to deflect. Like, well, you, I think we should worship here. You think we should worship there. She doesn't care about talking about worship. She's trying to change the subject. Just like any time you and I feel like we're cornered, we try to change the subject. And she's changing the subject. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a time coming where it doesn't matter where you worship. God cares about us worshiping in spirit and in truth. And she goes, I know the Messiah will come. And he said, I am he. What is he saying? He's saying, I know everything about you. And I am here right now to offer you 100% grace in the midst of the fact that I have 100% truth about you. That's the God we serve. That's the God we love. That's the God we know. So what does this woman do? She flips out in the best way possible. She's like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I've got to tell everybody. I've got to go into town right now. Okay, because I got this guy, he, he, knows, he knows everything about me. He knows what I've done. He knows all the things I've done. He, he told me everything I've ever done. And you know what? Some of you know some stuff about me and you hate me and you're punks. But, but he knows stuff about me and he loves me anyway. You got to come meet this man because he, he is full of grace and he's full of truth. And it's mind blowing. It doesn't even make sense. Like, like Nicodemus is like, he's full of 
truth about my wrongs and that I'm trying to hide my sin and I'm doing it in the dark, but, but he's full of grace for me. Would you stand to your feet with me? It reminds me of, of the story of Paul. Paul was originally Saul. Saul was a man who was also a Pharisee who hated Christians. If there's anyone in this room that you and I could probably agree to not like, it would be Saul. Because Saul's job was to find Christians and kill Christians. Let me put it this way. Saul's job was to find you and kill you because you love Jesus. You ever thought of it that way? People just like, we sugarcoat it. Oh, but he, he became Paul and he, he, he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Thank God for that. But let's not forget for a moment that, that his job was to kill people like you, to torment you, to rip you away from your family. Why? Because you love Jesus. And, and God came to him and he, he, he was full of the truth about Saul. And he said, why do you persecute me? I mean, he, he said, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. Well, he wasn't just persecuting Jesus. He was killing the followers of Jesus. He's like, you're messing with my kids. You're messing with me. And he had this come to Jesus moment on the road. And after forgiveness, after grace, after he, the truth was shown about Paul, he experienced the grace of God. His life turned around. And he then began using his life to become an apostle, a, 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 to, to become a missionary, to write two thirds of the New Testament so that you and I could know the truth about God now all happened because of a conversion, because God gave him grace in the midst of the truth. How does God do that? God does that, and this is how you and I can follow him and how we were designed to do this, is that, that some people remember Paul as Paul and some people remember Paul as Saul. And there are always gonna be people in your life who try to look back and remember who you used to be or what sin you're in now or what sin you used to be in. But God, when he looks at your life and he knows the 100% truth about you, he's not just looking at your past. He is looking at who he designed you to be and who your future is. So when God met with the woman of the well, he knew the 100% truth about her and that was not that she was an adulterous woman who had been married five times. The truth about her is that she was an evangelist that would go into her city and get a city saved. When, when he met Nicodemus, he didn't just see a coward in a, in, a, in a legalistic religious man. He saw a man who would come and change his life by following Jesus, just being there to the very end to where he died, uh, died and was buried. So what am I saying? I'm saying that God knows you and he doesn't just know what you did. He knows who he designed you to be. Church family, my friends, my brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, your God loves you. There's nothing you can do good enough to make him love you more. He loves you more now than you could ever imagine, and he knows more about you than you could ever imagine. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I think there's some people in this room before we dismiss, I want to give you an opportunity if you've never asked Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life, to be the center of your life, to, to invite Jesus the light into the darkness of your life. 
If you've never done that, I wanna give you the opportunity to pray with me right now and do that. And this is not like a magical prayer. What this is, is this is a confession of our sins that we need forgiveness. And it's a means to a relationship with God because we can only have a relationship with God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna pray right now and ask every person to pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I believe you sent Jesus, your one and only son, to die on the cross for my sins. I believe you raised him again from the dead so I could have eternal life. So I ask you to forgive me and make Jesus my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to do this right now. I know that for many of you, that's the very first time that you've ever prayed that prayer or meant that prayer or understood that prayer. If that's the case for you today, you're in a room full of messed up people just like you who want to celebrate with you right now. So if that's you, put your hand up so we could share for you right now. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. That's awesome. If you... If you're online and you did that, I just, I wanna ask you to text the word heaven to 94000, the word heaven to 94000. We'll get you more information and help you with that. But I just wanna pray over you one more time before I send you out. Thank you so much for being here. Heavenly Father, I pray you bless your people. I pray you cover us with your peace and your direction and your guidance. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your 100% grace in our lives still having 100% truth about us. We love you, we love you, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you, church family. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you wanna learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94000 to connect with one of our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.